Whiskey, whiskey, the singer's getting sore. We raise the roof now and we're lowering the floor. The band is blistered, but we got a little more. When I say one, two, you say three, four. One, two, three, four. Welcome to the Whiskey Topic. It's Mark Bylock, and I am here with Kentucky's very first master distiller, female master distiller, uh, Marin Eves. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Mark. I'm really glad to be here. Um, yeah, I mean, last time last time you were on the podcast, uh, we were at Castle Key. Um, I, I, I was there with my friend uh, Glenford Jameson, and we, we got lost and uh, it, within the distillery, and we had a good time, and we uh, recorded a podcast uh, about the distillery. But you've since left the distillery, and now you're doing uh, private consulting uh, as a master distiller. That's right. It's been about 10 months now since I, I moved on from Castle and Key and, and have been doing my own thing. I've been a little under the radar, you know, at, at the beginning, but I'm, I am excited to be able to start sharing more about the, these different projects that I'm working on. Yeah, because it's got to be hard. I mean, you, you're if, once you become independent, you've got to sign contracts and this and that, and it's it's a whole thing and there's a whole process to it. Um, and also, uh, congratulations, uh, you're you're just days away from from uh, having your first baby. That's right. <laughs> I, it's amazing. That's great. Congratulations. It's a wonderful, wonderful experience. And, uh, and you know, I really commend you on taking motherhood on and, of course, starting a new business, which has got to be just going to be uh, it's going to be a whole other world of, of uh, stress and work. And uh, just, just congratulations on that and kind of moving forward. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, so we. Um, so I kind of. I'm kind of interested in this. Um, in this part because you've t- you've really worked. Uh, your resume is so impressive. Uh, first with Woodford Reserve and kind of all the work you did there. So you worked at this gigantic distillery that just makes tons and tons and tons of bourbon. Uh, well, whiskey, but primarily bourbon, I guess. Um, and uh, and with Castle Key, you got the whole startup experience because that's an enterprise you joined uh, pretty much early on within the first year or what have you. And then you, you kind of worked through, you know, getting uh, a mash bill together and, and, kind of, and, and distillation and just at the early stages. So um, in, in one way, you've kind of worked at the distillery once it's running and it's got all this history and it's got all this experience behind it, the, 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 the people behind it. And then you worked on the other side of it as starting a, a brand and you distillery. Um, so I feel like this is a pretty great combination for moving forward as a consultant uh, in the area of, of whiskey making and, and other experience, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think all the experience that I gained working for Brown Foreman, you know, on, on uh, Woodford Reserve a lot, but also, you know, during the, the resurgence of um, Old Forester, I was working on um, helping that brand to get out into the market more and, and start to grow. And as they started, Brown Foreman and started investing more dollars behind this historic brand that really started their company, they they saw, you know, double digit growth every single year as this industry has taken off. So seeing the explosive um, resurgence of, of bourbon, but then also being a part of these um, different unique spirits, like like starting gin at Castle and Key and seeing how well that was received in, in such a whiskey focused market and, and seeing, you know, how these different um, approaches can make a brand successful. I think the different experiences that I've had, like you're saying, <laughs> they were there. Um, mm-hmm a unique perspective that I think would be very valuable to, to lots of folks who are either, you know, ha- maybe have been in the industry 10 years already and, and uh, want to try to access different uh, segments of the market or trying to grow their distribution. Maybe they've gotten to the point where they can mm-hmm. really put some money behind um, 
growing production scale and they they want to reassess their products or you know because my my background at, at Brown Foreman while I was the master taster and, and protege to master distiller Chris Morris at Woodford Reserve I was primarily a, a scientist a process engineer so I was working mm -hmm. on process improvement and new product development and got to see dozens and dozens of projects that you know likely because just because of the the nature mm -hmm. of brown brown foreman and the way that they manage their portfolio won't won't see the the light of day you know it, it's got to be perfect and and um, has to be um, in line with their market strategy at the time and you know things happen slowly in bourbon and in, in Kentucky in particular, mm -hmm. but when you have, um, such established brands, it's harder to take those risks and, and put out weird, innovative, um, things that people may not like, you know, which definitely, <laughs> definitely happened at times. Um, but I, I was really excited mm -hmm. to, to have the, the more flexibility and opportunity to do those innovative things, um, creating the, the brands from scratch at, at Castle and Key. So both, both sides of the coin there, I think for sure. Oh, I'm so glad to hear you, you say that. I think it's a, it's a, a kind of, it's an ongoing theme in, in the podcast is kind of, you know, where do the s smaller distilleries fit in? And a lot of it is the, the taking the risks. And, you know, we say, we say it on the podcast all the time, uh, Brown distilleries like Brown Foreman and you know Jim Beam and and Buffalo Trace, they are going to make the absolute perfect whiskey of those flavor profiles that they want to make. And it's 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 harder for the smaller distilleries to compete, you know, and, and produce something like oh we're just going to make a Four Roses, right? Like it's it's just very difficult to to get there, but um, because of the consistency of size. But like but then but the thing is that they don't do is they won't innovate in these interesting directions, uh, that the, the smaller distillers will go. I, I, I love, love hearing you say that. Um, the old format, I mean, the old Forster brand has, has been such a, a, a to us has been for me, especially has been an interesting brand. Uh, if we could just kind of look at the, the, the scene for, for a moment, um, because early on, I don't think I, I didn't really like a lot of kind of, you know, brown form. And I thought it was a little, a lot of it tasted very similar. Uh, it just wasn't, it was a kind of at a price point and a flavor profile that didn't quite mesh with me. But then the old Forrester line started to grow and grow and there's so many more products on there. And it's now it's just, it is one of the, the favorites out there uh, because of kind of what, what you're paying for, kind of the flavor. It's, it's, it just seems to have modernized or has gone towards a more modern palette, uh, which I, I truly appreciate. I mean, you get that with Woodford as well, of course, with the specialty lines as well. But this is, you know, I really liked what uh, they did with Old Forrester. Have you been down to the Old Forrester distillery in uh, in in, in Louisville as well, or the 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 Terzi one? I have, you know, and it was interesting. Yeah. I was working, I was still working at Brown Foreman when they started to develop the plans for that that distillery. As you can imagine, oh, it was that. quite a, yeah. a long process, and they needed a lot of buy-in from the family because it is so. Um, representative of how the company began and it's t telling their story. So that was, it was really fascinating thinking how they would put that together and, and making it such a unique showplace. You know, it's, it's still an operating distillery mm -hmm. and, and warehouse and um, bottling facility and uh, you know, how to, how to make it a, an experience that encompasses what they're, abilities are while still having such a small footprint and, and uh, available capacity. But I think that they made a really smart decision and having Jackie's I can kind of he uh, head the charge, lead the charge there with, 
respect to the flavor profiles and, and what they're pursuing and, and how all of that is packaged and released because she has a fantastic palette and, and uh, really she's a, a bit of a daredevil <laughs> and has such a uh, hand on yeah. the pulse of the, the bar industry since that's where she, she really um, came from, fed into the spirits industry through uh, being a beverage manager. I knew her um, back when she managed the the um, beverage program at Dot Crows and really thought very highly oh, of her. Yeah. So it's wonderful. Yeah, it, it, Jackie's great. I I, I I interviewed her at uh, Tales of Cocktail. Unfortunately, uh, we did we did it at a restaurant, and you know sometimes the audio is never that great in the restaurant, and there was just too much music playing in the background, and it was a thing. But it was a uh, but she, but I didn't have a chance to talk, speak to her. She's excellent, she, and she's um, you know. Like you said, just uh, you know, just very, very sharp and very, very much in the scene and and understanding the the, the bourbon scene, um, and but also like you said, very much a daredevil and just uh, has a, has a personality. Uh, and you, you two are probably very much opposites here because you come from the science background and she comes from the from the <laughs> bartending management background. So that's a that must have been fun working together. Yeah, complimentary yin and yang. She she came on um, to Brown Foreman, I think, right as I was kind of going through a transition out. So we didn't get to work together mm-hmm. uh, all that much, unfortunately. Bourbon, you know, Kentucky uh, is is trying to change that perception of, uh, you know, bourbon making being something that, you know, men do. And, uh, you know, you, you have the distinct honor of being the first uh, female distiller and um, master distiller in Kentucky. Um, you have Jackie coming in as well. That's that's just plays such a prominent role in in that wonderful downtown. I mean, if you haven't gone to Old Forester Distillery downtown, I, I definitely recommend. It. I keep I keep telling people if you're if you're just going to Kentucky uh, just to visit and and you want to do a few distillery tours, you know, there's a few ones I recommend, and I, that's that's one of them uh, that I just say just do this. This will teach you everything about the process. You don't have to worry about the one on ones of whiskey. You'll you'll see it all there. Um, but you know, you must also face a lot of backlash as well uh, because. You know, it just seems at least, you know, just it just seems that there's always that backlash of like people are like, oh, you know, uh, second guess why women are, are there or, or, or what's, you know, or, or that is, is that something you would like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, have you faced a lot of backlash in that respect? Well, it it was interesting when I made the transition from Brown Foreman to Castle and he, I think there, while I was known in, in some circles and, and definitely the, the really nerdy bourbon circles, you know, coming uh, out or announcing myself as, as Kentucky's first female master distiller for people that um, couldn't necessarily um, uh, assign me to an, another project because I I had been you know master taster for um, Old Forester, but at that time it was mm-hmm. you know definitely still growing but not as as big as it is even today. It, was, it just seems like uh, forever ago, four four or five yeah. years ago. But I think that you know there were there were some there was some question about you know have I even had enough time in the industry um, being young. Uh, even aside from from being a female, um, but what I what I think is that once people had the opportunity to to have a conversation with me, and and <laughs> in a couple of cases I got grilled by um, you know master distillers that had been in the seat for decades, asking me all these right. very you know specific 
technical process questions. And then when they realized that I actually kind of knew what I was talking about, it was like, oh, okay, yeah, she's going to do a, a good job. <laughs> it's it's fine. And and people really wanted to see Castle and Key, the old Taylor distillery, come back to life. That that distillery, that um, the legacy that that it had, the story that it had to tell, and its importance to Kentucky and to the industry, just people were the, the folks that that knew it while it was still operating, the folks that worked there. Uh, really wanted to see it succeed, so I, I got a lot of offers and and support, and um, I think that that once the whiskey does come out, is released onto the market, that um, they'll be pleased with um, how it how it was honored, that the recipes that were made there and um, the production processes that I designed to resurrect it. Yeah, no, I'm definitely, definitely uh, looking uh, forward to that. And and I agree. I guess you did, that's a good point. You did you did go from a of a, a role that not many would have known your name unless you were living in in Kentucky, um, or, or really like you said into into bourbon into a, a very prominent role. Castle and Key had has all that that history to it, um, and that that. That, that thing. I'm, I'm really looking forward to tasting the whiskey. It's uh, there, there's there's uh, definitely a lot of anticipation there uh, for certain. Um, and what are you, so what's your so now you've you've got projects you're working on on the consultative side. Is there anything that you can and can talk about today? Yeah, absolutely. There's um an, a handful of projects that I'm working on. Some are are kind of still a little stealth you know, the, the way that they want to approach the market is a little more, um, forming a cult following that sort of thing. But it, it's, uh, that one, you know, and if we had waited <laughs> to talk in a couple more weeks, I would have been able to talk a little bit more, but that is a, it is a bourbon project. What I'm most interested in, in doing now that I've, I've, um, taken some time away from the, the bourbon industry, I, I spent 10 years working in, you know, one very specific part of the spirits world. Uh, I want to get acquainted with with some other things. So, one the first project really that I I signed on board with after I made the move from Castle and Key to start my my own business was a winery out in California, Hoops Vineyard. Mm-hmm. They have um, an incredible story of family um, run business. Uh, started by Lindsay Hoop's father, and now she continues on and um, running the business and creating a, a new strategy. Um, Spirits being a part of what she sees as a way forward in the industry, um, and it actually started as a little bit of um, uh, I don't want to say desperation, but they had thousands of gallons of of wine that had been affected by the wildfires so back in 2017 and well there there had been wildfires in 2018 and 2019 also i think this is going to unfortunately be something that they're continually going to have to combat but they lost their entire harvest in in 2017 so very financially detrimental and and they're still trying to dig themselves um, out of that hole in that position but finding a way to use the the product that they couldn't bottle as uh, wine in a new way. 
So she uh, approached me to see if I would be interested in, in helping to develop some spirits from that wine base. So we've been working on that for the, the past year or so and um, really getting excited about the, the opportunities there, looking at some, some different styles of brandy, using rosé, chardonnay, cabernet, and um, even some different vermouths and that sort of thing. Um, we also thought about gin and vodka, but I'm, I'm thinking that might be a little further down the line, um, but just super excited to, to get involved with them and, and uh, create this really interesting spirit that actually embraces the the character that was uh, seen as a defect in the wine. You know, a, a really delicious smoky brandy <laughs> is very appealing to me. Right, right. Oh, that sounds that sounds fantastic. I mean, especially the, the I mean, like it's such a tragic story to turn it into something uh, to, to something more positive. Um, so that's something that that's been that's going to be coming out in in the next little while. Well, I don't I don't know when we're we're going to be releasing anything out out into the market. Once uh once little baby Andy decides to come along and I can d- start doing some traveling again with my my wing woman, um we'll we'll see how quickly we can get a um uh, packaging developed and and start talking to distri- distributors and and get it out there. Luckily, you know, with Hoops, they've already got a, a pretty great dis- distribution and, you know, they've already developed, Hoops has already developed such a, a great reputation in these different markets where, where they are. So it's, it's not going to be hard to get people behind an, another Hoops product because they're already known for, for such um, excellent quality wine. So it's uh, definitely a, a leg up. Oh, that's awesome! I I'll tell you a story for from uh from my my wife's uh, when we had uh, when uh, our kids were young, uh, in, in like that first six months, I I could not believe how amazing my wife's sense of like smell was, and it was. It was so intense. I was there's this little while I was like I was like doing tasting notes for whiskey. I'm like, what do you get there? And she just like she's she already has a very great palate and a great nose already. Just just virtue of 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 um uh just tasting stuff that i have and then she she's always offering feedback but uh but in this instance i remember there was one instance where she where i opened the fridge in the kitchen and she's in the living room and she's like whoa there's something spoiled in the refrigerator i'm like what like i i don't smell anything it took it took like four or five i think it was six days later i opened the fridge i'm like oh my god there's something in the fridge but then of course it was rancid i like there's some there's like a bit of meat or something i can't remember even what it was i think it was just some meat in the back that got trampled because you know we were so sleep deprived was somewhere in the back of the fridge and and should have been thrown out but but she knew you know three four five i mean this is cold (laughs) cold meat it wasn't even like at room temperature and and she smelled it so i i would say the uh you're you're Pretty, you know, incredible talents as a, as a master blender or taster um, are going to be uh, intensified to I don't know what level at this point. I don't even know, uh, you know. Uh, so, so I, w- I would say make, make make a lot of brandy that first three months. <laughs> I hear you. I've, I've actually I've noticed a, a change in in my um, palate and, and how I know is for sure the. Um, bourbon project that I mentioned, I, I did some blending and created um, a few different batches of, from a, a lot of 100 barrels. And the different notes that I was pulling out of these um, rather old uh, aged barrels was, was fascinating to me because, you know, typically 
uh, something that's advanced age. I'm just like, oh, it's oak, it's oak, it's oak. And while there was a lot of oak, there was actually a lot of other really interesting things. I'm like, am I just, you know, making this up or, you know, there's something, there's something different going on or, or they're just really exquisite samples, you know, who knows? (laughs) But I, I am definitely, um, in tune with, with there being some, some changes in my palate and, I'm not mad about it. No, no, I, I kind of they, they do. I mean, they do studies. They, they don't study, uh, uh, you know, whiskey drinkers, but um, and whiskey makers. They do studies with chefs, and they find that uh, you know a chef's brain. Um, you know, there's just a part of the brain that when they're constantly tasting and smelling food, there's a very. Uh, they develop a part of the brain that 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 if you don't do that as a living, that's not you don't have as much activity there. Uh, I just kind of assumed that that was true for for whiskey makers as well. But um, I'm just wondering in my head, I'm thinking, well, if you if you if if you naturally you know advance this and then you just keep using it, you'll just never lose the superpower, and then that'll be even better. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Let's hope. <laughs> Oh, that, that that sounds terrific. I am. Um, it's kind of curious because you you have worked for such big, um, uh, you know, again, kind of very influential brands. Um, what are your personal like? What what do you what do you personally like? I mean, I guess you haven't probably been drinking as much the last little while, but um, uh, but uh, but what 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 are your personal likes as far as uh, as spirits go? Well, and spirits and and. In total, I've I've been trying all kinds of dif- different new things recently. You know, since um, getting out on my own, and and I just want to experiment a little bit more. You know, starting a a brandy uh, product with hoops, I've I've had to start tasting more of those because I I don't I didn't know much about the competition. While Brown Foreman did have um, some brandy in their portfolio. I, I didn't actually do much, much work with them. I was really more focused on whiskey. So learning about the, the competitive landscape and, and that. I also at one point thought I was going to get involved with a Mezcal brand. Uh, we didn't end up moving forward, but you know, I, I um, started really digging in on, on what makes mez- different mezcals special and the, the different territories and the different, you know, production styles and the different weird things that they hang in their stills to alter the flavors and the mouthfeel. And um, mezcal, I, I had already had a little bit of an infatuation with, you know, in, in the whiskey world, there's, uh, it, it's been incredible having this opportunity now um, being along the, on the ride with, uh, well, you know, on the circus train with, with my partner, um, seeing these different parts of the country that, you know, really I, I wouldn't have a reason to visit other than, than being with him. And, uh, you know, when I'm, when I go to a new city, I'm like, all right, what distilleries we got around here? Because there, there are craft distilleries everywhere, everywhere and having the chance right. to go in and, and taste these different things and meet the people who are making them. So, you know, I've found incredible, not just good, but incredible um, product in Oregon and Washington and, you know, all of these weird places in Texas that you really wouldn't, wouldn't think um, <laughs> would have the, the experience to, to yeah. make something so polished and, um, complex and, and, uh, special, but it's, it's just that these folks, these, um, particular, um, distillers are just so passionate about, you know, not just creating high quality spirits, but 
changing, innovating in, in the industry, which is something that that's been also really exciting is, you know, not just being held to the traditional ways of Kentucky, but getting out there and, and seeing, okay, well, this, this is how we do it in Kentucky, but what works for um, a desert, you know, desert distillery in Oregon for, you know, uh, <laughs> the Pacific Northwest folks, what do they have to vary in, in their process and in their ingredients right. to, to get these different outcomes? So I don't know. You can probably tell I'm a little nerdy about it, but it's just fun to I mean, explore the country through these different taste profiles and processes. I, it, yeah, I, it's, we, we've, I feel like I've, I've talked so much about Moscow on the podcast the uh, last little while that uh, it's such an exciting, uh, it is just so, so exciting of a concept. Um, sad that project didn't work out, but I'm, I'm sure there'll be another one that'll that'll work out because it is, uh, um, it, it does feel like a, 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 a and just like a really you know an industry I guess, but it's more and more family oriented uh, to that that can continue to to grow. Um, and and I love so yeah we we should mention um, your your partner uh, owns a circus and so um, as well as you know. Um, uh, being by the time this podcast is posted, I'm, I'm sure you'll 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 be a mom, um, and that that's wonderful too because I, I do feel like everywhere I've tra- ever traveled, there's I'm like oh, I wonder if there's any distilleries in this town, and like oh my god, there's so many, and 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 there's the and it's it's amazing. So you're you're gonna get a lot of experience that way, uh, drinking kind of what what America's distilling these days. Absolutely, you know sometimes will have been in a place for a week already. And, and typically these engagements are at two weeks, three weeks at the most seems to be the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. So we'll just be get, getting settled in. And the first weekend we go out to eat somewhere and, and I post a picture of the food or the place. And there'll be folks that follow me on social media in the area and be like, oh my God, you're here. Um, you have to go to, to these 10 places. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish that... You know, I could just like post my route ahead of time and be like, where do I need to go? Where do I need to go, guys? <laughs> it's funny that Kentucky's uh, first uh, female distiller is also happens to be traveling around in a, in a circus uh, with her partner. That's amazing. And, and you'll have a baby circus, a circus baby, which will be wonderful. <laughs> so you're going to so you literally have no home at this point. You are you are you have a home, but you're you're going to you're planning to be on the road for the next little while. You're going to be making uh, incredible spirits with an even even more sensitive <laughs> uh, nose. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to just kind of see what's 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 the products are kind of going to be released next and kind of actually tasting them and getting and get an idea for them. Um, it sounds like things have been moving really well and you seem uh, in a very like you're moving in a positive direction. You're very happy with with the way things are going and very happy for you in, in that respect. Thank you so much. Yeah, there's um there's another big project on the horizon that um. Probably not not ready to talk about too in in detail yet, but it takes me outside the U.S. Um, introducing uh, bourbon style of production to a country that's not really known for whiskey production. So just to okay. tease that a little bit, um, I am so excited to have an opportunity to introduce, you know, Kentucky's native spirit, U.S.'s native spirit to it. Um, a whole new population so oh i'm interested now it's gotta be there's gotta be corn i assume (laughs) (laughs) warm climate gonna be some speculation i'm sure but um 
Um, I I think you know mid to to late this year though there'll, there'll definitely be some more information coming on that one. I, I keep sharing this idea with as many people that that will listen. I'm like I keep think I don't know what the import export laws, but I feel like Chile would be a great uh, place to make uh, make uh, like whiskey because they they have such a range of weather and climate and altitudes. You can pretty much like. You know, store. I mean, I guess it's not very practical to store barrels all over a country that that's that long. But it still seems like a seems like they've got all the hot climate and the cold climate and the high altitude climate. They could do it all. They could do it all in Chile. I just I just think that might be a nice place to go. <laughs> that's awesome. I will. I'll let you know if anything's going on in Chile. Yeah, I, I keep uh, I keep passing this idea because I'm, I'm I'm never going to do it myself. I was just like, well, somebody will do it eventually. I mean, it's just it just seems like it would be fun because you know you have like the. I mean, you talked about like kind. Of high climate bourbons i think that's a whole that's a whole great concept as well just just uh uh you know i was at the uh, the wyoming whiskey distillery and and getting a, a uh just just a taste of the differences in uh creating a bourbon that's that's at higher climates and and the the, the, the um you know the different points of uh now you got different boiling points and pressure is different and uh, the maturation is going to be different because it's basically desert like and and just kind of the different flavors they seem to get out of them and i'm just like this is so fascinating because like after eight after six or eight years something tastes a little older in like the herbal tea minty way that i don't normally find from kentucky until they're you know 12 15 years but then other things taste a little more youthful still the the corn the sweet sugar the sugars and all that i guess the more traditional uh char oak flavors are are um are still more youthful and there's not as much mouthfeel and just kind of that combination of things is such a fascinating thing and um and, and yeah i just keep going back to this i mean there's so many so many big distilleries that make so much traditional whiskey that the market here for for new flavors that are familiar but different uh it, it could be wide open and uh and yeah so that's, that's very exciting and i think that the can the bourbon consumer is really looking for things that are authentic and in um, these different places, you know, there's still a tremendous amount of whiskey being produced in Indiana and Kentucky and in Tennessee, and there's some excess there that's being sold, you know, across the U.S. So it's still really difficult um, for consumers to uh, differentiate on the shelf what is something that's that's really special and and local and um, another issue is that these mm -hmm. craft distillers um, are really having a, a difficult time getting their spirits outside of where they're producing you know because yeah. um the way that the distribution di distributors um select products you know they're they're they want products that they can sell that'll be competitive and these small batches and from from micro distillers um, are typically at a, a higher price point and such a low case volume that it's really hard to to get it out there so that people can try it and in different parts of the country. So uh, this the I'm in a very unique position to have these um, different experiences, but other other folks have to work a little bit harder for them. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I know in, here in uh, or in Ontario, Canada, where I'm at, it's. Uh, you know, you have like uh, whiskey, like, uh, you know, Peerless Distillery is a good example. They've come to the LCBO, but, you know, their prices are fair because they're, you know, with the conversion rate, Canadian U.S. dollars and a little bit of extra tax in Ontario, they're fine. They're, the prices are, are fine. But then when you look at how much more cheaply something like, you know, Buffalo Trace can sell their, uh, you know, bourbon or, or, or Old Forester or, 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 or Jim Beam and, and their prices, then it just it just elongates that that just makes it a harder reach 
uh, bourbon uh, compared to, to some of the others. And then, yeah, that's a, I, it, it's a challenge. And I, I do, I, I do hope, you know, like, I mean, I, we, we have, you know, we've all seen like the MGP, uh, you know, and yeah, that their, their stock has fallen or, or their, 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 I guess I should say their stock price has fallen, but their stocks are probably growing. Um, so there, there does seem to be maybe a, a turn where the, that, that business model of Tate buying somebody else's bourbon and just putting a nice bottle on it and selling it. Maybe that business model isn't, you know, maybe people are now asking the right questions. Maybe that business model isn't as successful. Um, cause yeah, I, I agree. I, I do find that challenging even writing about whiskey. Uh, you know, people ask me like, what's this? I'm like, I, I don't know. Actually, I, I have to Google it like you do at this point. I have no idea what this bottle is. And, 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 you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, this is made in Indiana, which is fine. Or, but you're paying, you know, X amount of dollars for it. Maybe not that fine. Uh, or sometimes it's a bottle of, of some from an independent, from a micro distiller. Like I, I, you know, I don't know anything about it. So, um, it is, it is more complex, it was more complex there for the consumer and, and so much more for, for riskier, I guess, on the, on the side of the development and, and distribution. Um, so I, I like the concept that you're, you're moving with is, you know, like you're going to put your name behind certain projects and then that'll hopefully, uh, elevate them and push them even, you know, just, just from a marketing or, or I guess, you know, uh, perspective, uh, will 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 give them uh, more relevancy in the market, I guess. I would love for that to to be the case and and it might not be immediately but my personal brand that's this company that I'm building to really stand for something um to be um associated with with quality and and thoughtfully made product and authenticity um that when people see that I'm um involved with a project they they know that it's it's something special and and something that that they can uh really get get behind and get excited about yeah no i i, I hope so too um for me it's always gonna be challenging because uh, i'll uh i'll it's so so rare that i'll, I'll get you know get products that are you know like the 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 brandy that you're working on though the so rare that they'll come to ontario but uh at least i'll get to read about them uh i do um i it's Anyway, I'm very happy for you next stage of your life. This is amazing. Uh, very much. Uh, I, I will now, I, I think we're uh, definitely going to follow you on Instagram. Uh, your Instagram uh, handle is? Marianne BMD, Bourbon Master Distiller. Well, congratulations. Uh, you're going to stick around for a little bit. We're just we're going to do a, a story for Patreon supporters only. Um, and I don't know. I'll put you on the spot. about. Uh, I'll ask a question and uh, we'll, we'll send that for Patreon. Um, otherwise, uh, you're active on Instagram. So follow me on Instagram. And I'll post links to your website and kind of the few projects that you've mentioned that you're working on. Does that sound good? That sounds great. Thank you, Mark. All right. Thank you for coming on the podcast. We'll talk to you in a little bit. Say one to you.